But we'll get smart sports, guys. It's brought to you by SelmaxBatteries.com. As always, Selmax Batteries offers a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-alkaline lithium and button cell batteries. Selmax compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, Selmax batteries priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke lamps, whatever device you need a battery for, Selmax batteries has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries, ideal for your television remotes for only $5.99, or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for gaming high-tech devices at just $12.99. You can order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's BOSTON, all uppercase, at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order of 24-pack of AA or AAA, whichever one of those you need, and you can get 20% off. So that's only $4.80. A little, like, it's right around $4.80 for 24 packs of those batteries. You can't pass up on that. That's coupon code BOSTON all the case at checkout at sellmaxbatteries.com. C-E-L-L-M-A-X batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. Alright, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Beams for the intro music. We are closing in on the final hours before the start of the Stanley Cup Finals where yet another Boston team will be competing for yet another championship and we'll be, we will be doing another championship preview, one something we've done many times on this podcast for the series between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues with none other than the founder of the PuckView.com, Guy Boston Sports content editor and Bruins writer and host of the Puck That podcast, Jeremy Perigo. Jeremy, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, Kenny. I'm glad to be back for I, I've lost track of how many appearances I've made now, but it's been quite a few, so I'm always happy to be here. It's a lot. It's a, it might be Brady 6, might be the, the 6, uh, I, I think, right around there, but... <laughs> You know, we're here. We're, we are going to do another championship preview. So I, I, I've lost count of how many championship previews we've done. So never mind how many episodes you may have done. So I, what do you say we start with the Blues? How about that? We'll start with the Blues ends of things and, and get people kind of uh, briefed on their, them and their situation, the Boston fans. So, uh, you know, a lot has been made about the crazy midseason turnaround, you know, and, and it was their journey from, I think, last place in the NHL in the middle of the season sometime in January, now into the playoffs. And now, you know, they're in the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, so... It's been an incredible run for them. How did they do it? You know, what 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 was it that turned that suddenly turned their season around from what looked like a disaster into now they're a Stanley Cup finalist? Is there one or two things you can point to? Well, if you're looking at it, first of all, everyone the thing everyone's talking about is their goaltending, uh, rookie twenty five year old goaltender Jordan Bennington uh, coming in, and there's been kind of an ongoing problem with goaltending for the St. Louis Blues over the last couple seasons. They've had Brian Elliott historically, and then. They tried to see if Jake Allen would be the number one goaltender. It didn't work out, and he's now the backup to Biddington, who has pretty much led the team on this uh, incredible run. They were never a, as bad of a team as they were to be last place in the league, whatever it was, January 3rd, and uh, that might have something to do with it, the fact that they kind of figured out how to play as a team. They had some players that had, you know, their roster hadn't been together forever. Ryan O'Reilly was a relatively new ad. David Perron has been coming back and forth. He's with the Vegas Golden Knights last season, but uh, came back to St. Louis. He's got something weird with, like, I think there's a stat about him. He's signed, like, every single one of his professional contracts with the Blues, but he's played on a ton of different teams. It just happens to be that he always finds his way back to St. Louis. Uh, Patrick Maroon, hometown boy, coming for a one-year contract. Kind of an, you know, somewhat outmoded player in the fact that he's kind of a bigger, slower dude. Maybe is not super in high demand anymore around the league, but is 
had some really big goals for them, especially in this postseason run. So yeah, it's it's a multitude of factors, but if you want to point at one thing, it's probably the goaltending. That's what everyone's going with right now. Hmm. What scares you the most about the Blues team? Is it their goaltending? You know, and if you're the Bruins specifically from their standpoint, you know, is there a specific element of their game that you're concerned the Bruins could struggle with, and that could ultimately lead to the Blues winning the series? Well, I think the Bruins have played better goaltending. You know, Bennington has been a great story, but the Bruins have played Sergei Borovsky already in the second round against Columbus. Even Frederick Anderson has been a really solid goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. Peter Mrazek had, up until the you know the Eastern Conference Final, played really well himself, and they kind of found a way to solve him, take him off his game, and then they saw Curtis McElhaney uh, after that. But I don't necessarily think goaltending is a problem. The Bruins know how to score, and if they're scoring how they should be, then uh, that wouldn't be a problem. They're playing a team that's probably most more similar to them than any other opponent they've played so far. The Blues are a big team, a heavy team, hard forechecking team. They're not necessarily, I mean, they'll throw the body, but they're not, a, you know, they're not, Columbus was really trying to throw the body when they played the Bruins in the second round. You might not necessarily see that exact same level of, of hard-hitting plays, but they're definitely going to wear them down, I guess, is probably the number one factor I would see. They did it to San Jose, San Jose team that was already relatively injured uh, going into the Western Conference final, but it didn't get any better. You know, Eric Carlson couldn't even really play towards the end of it. Joe Pavelski's been injured, and Joe Thornton has had multiple knee operations and, and obviously is at the very twilight of his career. So they made it difficult to play against them because just because of the brand of hockey they play. And it's postseason hockey, and that's, you know, honestly why you see, you see these two teams at the place that they're both at because they know how to play in April and May. And I mean, if, that, if that's the case, it's hard to say that the Blues will wear the Bruins down enough because they're a team that's used to that sort of thing. But, I mean, if that's the way they're going to win, that's probably how it's going to happen. Yeah, I'll tell you, Jeremy, you know, we've heard so much about this 10-day layoff that the Bruins are facing. And, you know, the numbers that people have behind it really suggest the Bruins are probably going to come out rusty. You know, we'll see what ultimately happens. But uh, on the other side, the Blues, they've had to overcome so much this postseason. They definitely faced and beat better competition than the Bruins have. And I think that might lend itself to the team being a little more prepared for the level of play that they're going to be need to win this series. So if you're a Bruins fan, that's probably what you should be watching for. If the Bruins look sluggish and the Blues look tougher in Game 1, that's obviously a bad sign. But I, th- I, I, I think that's something we could legitimately see and something Bruins fans probably should prepare to see. So now, now you went to the Bruins scrimmage on Thursday night. So first off, do you think that will actually tangibly help to mitigate the rust that I was just talking about that they otherwise might have had and do, do you think that's really the reason they did the scrimmage to try to stop that rust and for out of fear that hey look at what ha- but all these other teams that came off you know sweeps had to deal with when they started up their series and secondly and more importantly did, did you see anything in that in that scrimmage that stood out to you did anything major stand out um yeah i think i definitely made the scrimmage happen because of the fact that they were i mean that's the narrative spun by the media or actually true i think they now hold the record for the longest layoff between the Eastern Conference or a conference final in the Stanley Cup itself. Uh, 11 days, I think it was, or something like that. If not 10, then... Is that something that really concerns you, Jeremy? Is, is that layoff, like, is that something that you're legitimately afraid of or is it something you try to, you, you think is kind of nonsensical to argue about? I, I think it's I think it's legitimate in some level. I, I don't think it's, maybe it's probably, it's, I mean, it's always blown out of proportion, I would say. I mean, it, it's something to be said. And, and Columbus did... You know, I heard this point being made that Columbus did play its better games against the Bruins earlier on. Uh, game one went to overtime, the Bruins won. Game two went to overtime, Columbus won. Game three, the Columbus won at home. Uh, and then it kind of started to fall apart a little bit for them, albeit it was still close. But 
Uh, there were, you know, if you're going to argue what half of that series was worse for Columbus, it wasn't the beginning. So it's not necessarily true in all cases. And and St. Louis is going to have a significant break too. I mean, they've already been on since what Tuesday was the final game, and uh, it's almost a week for them. So that's that's significant too. It's I mean, it's it's a change from the Eastern Conference Final to the Stanley Cup. You're all all of a sudden you're on the national stage. I was talking a little bit with Spencer about it for my Puck That podcast that we do, and uh, we put so much into the into the break between, but all of a sudden there's like five games that are on NBC, you know, out of the seven instead of NBC Sports. So you, you know, as a player, you're all of a sudden on a national stage. It, it maybe doesn't feel as different because you're not, you know, obviously fans. It's like, oh, wow, it kind of feels like the world cares about hockey. It's the Stanley Cup final. But for players, I think they, there's some aspect of that too. Uh, the media hypes up. You know, all of a sudden goes from 0 to 60 real quick. You're four games away. You're four wins away from the uh, Stanley Cup. And I, I think that must kind of create some sort of adrenaline boost that might offset the fact that there's a, a long break. I could be totally wrong, but, I mean, it's not like the Blues had to go to 7 against San Jose and they're they're pretty much just going right into the next series. They did have a little bit of a break as well. So um, that might counterbalance a little bit. Uh, that being said... The Bruins still should be the favorite team. They have the experience. They've been playing really well. Their goaltending's been really solid. So, um, I don't know. I, I understand why they're favorited. It's not necessarily an upset if St. Louis wins, but um, the ball is in their court, and if you know, it's theirs to lose. Really, the way I look at it. So, give me a formula real quick for the Blues, because obviously the the Bruins are favored in this series, minus one forty five fifty five favorites. How do the Blues win this series? Where do they have to attack the Bruins, and which matchups do they have to win, or are they, are they going to win? Well, I mean, you could probably get caught up all day trying to match yourself up against the Bruins. You, they're really just going to have to play their the pocket they've been playing, and it sounds kind of easy to say that, but... Um, they've had players like Jaden Schwartz who only scored 11 goals during the regular season, but has 12 in the postseason. They've just been, you know, firing in all cylinders. You can't get caught up with like too much. I mean, obviously you got to focus on the Patrice Bergerons, Brad Marchands, David Pasternak's of the world, but at the same time, you got to play your game and not just be completely worried about, you know, making sure you know where they are at all times. If, if you have the puck on your stick, it's not on theirs, you know, that kind of mentality. And, uh, obviously they're going to have to worry about solving Tuka Rask. He's played really strongly. Um, for the majority of the postseason, he's only gotten better, I guess, since the Toronto series. And, uh, that should be a point of concern if you're the Blues as well. Work on, you know, you probably want to, if, if, ideally, if you were the Blues, you want to come out in the series and score right away. Um, that would help, you know, break the ice, no pun intended, uh, against a really formidable opponent with strong goaltending. So, um, they just have to, you know, get, get in there and break up plays and wear the Bruins down. And can it be done? Maybe. You know, they have some players that have struggled with injuries, even as young as Charlie McAvoy is. He's had concussion problems, and he's been in and out of the lineup at certain points. And No, his, his pretty short NHL career. Uh, Zdeno Chara, obviously, is, is prone to turnovers and making poor decisions with the puck, if, it, if nothing because of, you know, the point he's at his career. But also just, you know, he's a bigger guy and with a long stick, and it helps him in certain situations, but also it doesn't necessarily help him because he's... He's fallen down a lot, quite frankly, in this postseason, and maybe more than usual, maybe just because of who he is, but um, it seems like that can be a point of ex- exploitation as well for the Blues, uh, jumping on the Bruins' defense. So I-, I would say that's how they would have to approach it. Well, let's talk about Zidane Chara for a second here, because 
Uh, I mean, he obviously played in the scrimmage on Thursday that you attended, but he did miss the final game of the Hurricane series with some sort of undisclosed injury. And other than really one postseason game, maybe against the Hurricanes, he's really been pretty poor this postseason. Does his postseason performance have you concerned? And how do you feel about his impact on this series? Well, um, he is a plus 11. So if you like, if you're someone who likes plus minus, that's a good number that works in his favor. He vlogs a ton of minutes. Like I said, he's not in the prime of his career. But he's still up there. He's second on the team. Looking at it right now, Charlie McAvoy is at 24 minutes a game. He's at 22, 32. So he's still obviously up there on the first pairing. Brandon Carlo sneaks up there. He's right behind him at 22, 16. So, um, yeah, I mean, Char's game's never been offense. You know, he has three points in the postseason. But generally speaking, he's on the ice. Even despite how he looks out there, he's on the ice for more goals for than he is against. And that says something, even if it's, you know, some people don't like that stat because are you always factoring on the goals that you're out there for that sort of thing. But a plus minus of 11 is the best in the postseason. So, I mean, I think some of that's blown out of proportion when you're talking about to Dano Chara. Um, at the same time, he, like I said, he is older. He has been falling down a lot. That is a point that they could, that the, if you're the blues potentially could exploit, but at the same time, I mean, that's why the Bruins have kept him around for so long. He's a great leader, first of all. Um, and there's no other, player like him in the entire NHL with his reach, his ability to break up plays and uh, shut down top lines. You know, he's not playing against fourth liners. He's playing against the best competition there is. So, um, you know, that's why they have him around for one more year after this too, is just to, you know, keep riding that, keep riding that to Daniel Char train. He's been a great mentor for this young decor coming up and <clears throat> soon enough, uh, you know, that'll, that ideally will be the team for Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Tory Krug, if he's still around, obviously there's always trade rumors with him. I think the Bruins want him around, and they are smart to keep him around. So, um, you know, as far as Chara goes, he's still a huge asset for the Bruins, even if on some levels he, you know, he's out there and he looks like he's making mistakes every other night. I'd love to see him break the puck out better than he does instead of trying to flip it up the middle and doesn't even make the blue line, comes back, and then ends up as a scoring opportunity, if not a goal, uh, for the opposing team. So... Um, there are things that he could do better, but you know he's he's still a valuable asset for the Bruins at this point. Well, Jeremy, he he just doesn't look good out there, especially with a, a lot of stuff I just mentioned. And if you want to bring up statistics, I mean, you mentioned he's a plus eleven, and but you know a lot of that's just about just how well the Bruins are playing as a team. You know, if you look at the Hurricane series, their only shutout was when Zdeno Chara didn't play, and the defense was at its best when he was out. So. Shouldn't that tell you more than what his plus-minus is? I mean, you said it yourself. The plus-minus has more to do with the stellar play of the other Bruins than it really has to do with his play. Well, look, I think there towards the end of that series with Carolina, especially if you're talking about Game 4, I mean, if you're up 3 nothing, you're talking about a, a relatively defeated Carolina Hurricanes team at that point. Um, they didn't come out very strong in Game 4. It kind of felt like the series was over for them. They never got anything going. So to use that as an example is kind of difficult. It's very difficult because uh, if, if if Carolina had any chance of getting back into that series, it was winning the first game of it, uh, first game at home, and it didn't happen. And because it didn't happen, it kind of really sucked the air out of their sails. And, I mean, there have only been, I think, I'm pretty sure it's only two teams that have ever come back from 3-0. One was against the Bruins in 2010, but it's only ever happened twice for a reason in history. And coming back from 3-0 down is so difficult in any sport not and even in the nhl so um when parity is at probably its highest it's ever been so um yeah i mean that game for for it, it was a very winnable game for the bruins and the fact that zeno Charles was in the lineup and you know there was a shutout it's like whatever i don't 
I take that with a grain of salt, personally. So you have no concerns about Chara heading into the Stanley Cup Finals? I have a concern that he's injured, yeah, definitely. Um, he would miss that game for a reason. Uh, he's played in the scrimmage seemingly fine. We don't know. We never know what anyone's actually dealing with until it comes out after the season's over for that team, whenever that is. Could he, could he be injured? It's lingering into the, into the final, sure. But at the same time, I mean, he's not fleet of foot in the first place. You know, his his job out there is his reach is what gets it done most of the time. So if it's something with his skating or something to that effect, I'm not terribly worried. It's because because players get around him, if they're fast, they're going to get around him regardless of if he can skate or not. Because there's a whole, not a whole lot of difference between Zeno Chara that can't skate and Zeno Chara that can skate. So, I mean, his positioning placement of stick breaking up plays is probably the most important part of his game obviously it's going to affect him if he if he if his mobility is limited in some way uh but i mean you're talking about sedano charo's mobility being limited as opposed to like tory krug's you know mobility being limited there's a big difference between those two so i don't i'm not terribly worried if he's good enough to play then that means he's you know healthy enough you know obviously patrice bergeron punctured lung whatever broken rib was playing in the finals a few years ago and that sort of thing but um you know it is what it is and it's not like the blues you don't necessarily hear about it either but it's not like they're 100 percent. they've played more hockey than the bruins have in this postseason so you got to think they're hurting on some level too so i mean it's got to it's got to balance out at least a little bit well jeremy a lot is riding on this stanley cup final for the bruins from a legacy perspective what would it do for guys like bergeron and chara for their standing in the Bruins organization among those all-time greats like Orr, like Neely, like Bork, for them to have two Stanley Cup championships, where would that put them in, in the Bruins hierarchy of those guys all time, speaking from you know a broader perspective? Well, I've heard a couple people talk about this in a couple different places. I think one of them was like spitting chicklets or something for hockey fans. That's a big one. Um, and obviously Ray Bork never won a Stanley Cup in Boston. and It was a huge thing when he did, excuse me, win a Stanley Cup yeah, with Colorado Avalanche, but, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I watched Ray Bork growing up, you know, he played in the 80s and 90s, and I was only a young kid, I, one of my first hockey memories, in fact, is watching Ray Bork uh, win the Stanley Cup uh, when I was a little kid, so I don't know, you know, what he means to the city, I know is a ton, but obviously the fact that he never won a championship here, that plays into effect somewhere, you know, um, Bergeron, if, if they do win this one, Chara as well that would be their second and Patrice Bergeron is obviously going to be a Hall of Famer there's no question about that Zdeno Chara I think is right there with him uh, when that day does come and as far as Bruin greats they're definitely going to be up there with like Ray Bork and some of those guys I think Bobby Orr is the one that you will hold above everyone else because he won the Stanley Cups he was that dynamic player and he, he had all these great moments with the city of Boston, obviously the most iconic moment in this franchise's history with winning the Stanley Cup in the fashion that he did, the photo, and that sort of thing. You can't really touch that. It'd be very difficult to. Um, but I think that next tier down is very much up for debate. I mean, I think Patrice Bergeron and Zidane Ochoa are right up there with, with Ray Bork, as far, if nothing more than, like, the accolades. And, and Chara's played, Ray Bork played forever with the Bruins. I don't know exactly how long it was, but the majority of his career, like 20 years almost, and Bergeron, when it's all said and done, who knows how long he plays, but he wants to be a, a career Bruin. So, um, you know, if you're looking at it that way, it's hard to say, you know, why not? Why don't you consider him up there with one of the greats of all time? Well, one guy I didn't mention there was Tuka Rask, whose legacy could really be defined 
by the most by this series out of anybody. I mean, when you really look at it, the outcome of these finals might decide whether he ultimately makes the Hall of Fame or not when his career is over. So, I mean, this is a potentially career-defining series for Tukaras. The question now becomes whether Tukaras can handle that kind of pressure, which has been really the question throughout his whole career. You know, he had one of the best stretches of his career this postseason. There's no question about that. But that the same was true in 2013, and he then he fell apart against Chicago in the finals. So, Two questions. One, how would you describe Rask's play this postseason overall? And two, what do you expect from him in this series? Yeah, um, I think goaltenders are interesting. Tim Thomas won the Stanley Cup in 2011, and there aren't exactly a whole lot of people calling for him to be in the Hall of Fame. So I think, yeah, this could be a defining moment for Tuka Rask. I'm sure he's not looking at it that way. Uh, The Bruins have a good team, and who knows if they're even back here next season, you know? It's not out of... No, it's not unexpected. They finished with, what, second overall in the league as far as record goes? So third, technically, I think maybe Calgary did end up placing ahead of them at the end of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, he obviously had that 2013 run where they fell short. Uh, 2010, he's always going to be a black mark on his record because he was the goalie in that series with uh, Philadelphia when they lost, like I was talking about, uh, after being up three games to zero. He does have a Stanley Cup, but it was off the work of Tim Thomas, you know, in that postseason uh, he never played a game in that postseason, so yeah, I mean this is important. I wouldn't, I don't necessarily love the conversation as does a Stanley Cup victory mean that you should or should not be in the Hall of Fame? I think there are plenty of players like Joe Thornton. If he never wins a Stanley Cup, should he be a Hall of Famer? I think most people would say yes, he still should be a Hall of Famer. But there's going to be that never won a Stanley Cup mark there next to his name if it never happens. Who knows? We don't even know if he's going to be back next season. But yeah, I mean this is important for Tuukka Rask. It's important for people that that no Tugaras is a good goaltender and are sick of hearing people say that he's not. But as far as this goes, I don't know if it's going to change. There's people that just seem to inherently not like Tukarask, and um, if they win a Stanley Cup and he's their goalie, I'm interested to see what the narrative becomes uh, after that, to be honest with you. Well, Jeremy, I, I get your point there that, you know, great players should maybe shouldn't be defined by their team accomplishments. But at the end of the day, it, a lot of it is counting championships. And with a player like Rask specifically, who maybe has had a career that Hall of Fame voters would have trouble deciphering whether it was Hall of Fame worthy or not, a championship as the starting goaltender probably could do a lot for his case, would it not? No, I, for Tuka Rask's case, it definitely could. I don't necessarily think people always put him up there with like the elite goaltenders in this league. Like People that watch him play night in and night out probably feel that he, he's deserving of more credit than he, than he gets. I think there are p- players that are great and just because they won a Stan- didn't win a Stanley Cup doesn't mean they shouldn't go in. And there's people, players that win the Stanley Cup, and because they won, it helps them get into the Hall of Fame. I think Tuukka Rask would be more of the latter. because if And I'm not ever talking about Tuukka Rask being a Hall of Fame goaltender. I think there would have to be a lot more that goes into it. He's not a young goalie anymore. It would probably have to be based on winning multiple championships, not just one. I don't necessarily see him getting in off of just one. That wouldn't make much sense to me, to be honest. Um, only the goaltenders that have like a really elite body of work over their entire career, multiple championships. You know, I'm thinking Patrick Roy, uh, Mar- Martin Brodeur, those kind of guys are the ones you really think of in the Hall of Fame. And, and Tuukka Rask definitely not on that level, but he's been a really good goaltender for a team for a really long time. And there's something to be said for that. Does it make him Hall of Fame worthy? Not right now, it doesn't. But uh, Stanley Cup wouldn't help, wouldn't hurt his case, that's for sure, if you ask me. That's fair, Jeremy. I'm definitely not saying he's on those guys' level. But, I mean, uh, we're just talking about the Stanley Cup. He's in line to win the Conn Smythe as well, if the Bruins are win-, win the series and he keeps up his level of play. So if he does, if he pairs that with a Stanley Cup championship, I mean, that's what we're really talking about here, right? 
And so I mean, I, I, I kind of I didn't mention the cons, Mike, but I looped those things together because I think with when you look at what's gotten the Bruins through the postseason, I mean, he's if they win it, he right now looks like a shoe in for the award. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, other goaltenders have won it before too. Jonathan Quick won it at least once with the LA Kings. I don't remember if he won it both times in their uh, runs to the Stanley Cup, and I don't necessarily think people are considering him for the Hall of Fame, at least at this moment. Um, he's kind of tailored off right now as far as his play goes on a team that's not performing super well, so that that has something to do with it as well. Tim Thomas won the Conn Smythe when they won in 2011, so, you know, does that make a difference? Yeah, it helps you, but it's more the way I look at Hall of Fame is more of like consistent body of work, really elite body of work over your entire career. Those are the goaltenders that make it um, for the most part. So I think because there's more controversy around Tuukka Rask and there has been consistently that it's hard to like make a debate for it right now. But if he continues and if say they win this one, maybe they win one more after that, you could certainly put him up there, I think. But like at this point, I don't see it happening. No. Yeah, it, it is hard to say that like a championship will just completely make or break the chances. But, you know, it, I think it is something that Tuukka Rask, in his personal case, he will need to have, as like as we said, as the starting goaltender to really have a shot at it in the long run. And that's why I think this series is very, so important to him. Um, how will history remember this Bruins team as we continue to talk about scenarios that play out if they were to win? You know, we all know three cups and th- three cup final appearances in nine years and potentially two wins. Will, would they be remembered if they were to come out on top in this, along with the Crosby Penguins or the Kane and Taves Blackhawks, or would they be a tier below that? Where would they fall, kind of among these all-time teams? Well, I mean, you're talking about two Stanley Cups as opposed to three with both of those. I know the Penguins, it's a little bit different because they won two much farther after. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say much farther after their first one in 2009 of this, of this era. I mean, it was with Sidney Crosby, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Genny Malkin, but uh, there was a lot of turnover between those. But the thing with the Penguins is they've always played at kind of an elite level. They've always been there. I would say... This would only be the Bruins' second win if they do, in fact, win it. Only two Stanley Cups, not three. And the Penguins did win two back-to-back. So it's hard to put them at that tier. I don't think they were... They finished, I think, like I said, I think it's third in the league in points this year. But Tampa Bay was always the talk of this season, you know. I didn't give them much of a chance if Tampa Bay was in it. And then as soon as they were gone, you know, it opened the door for everyone. So it's not like they there hasn't been this ongoing narrative of like the Bruins are the team to beat and then the Bruins won the Stanley Cup and then they did it again like the Penguins did or the Blackhawks you know felt like the Blackhawks they were they were always in the Western Conference final if not the Stanley Cup final for a period of time not always but you know they were always like right there and for the Bruins who've you know they were bouncing the second round and they missed the playoffs one year and they haven't always been at that elite level. They definitely took a downturn, and I wouldn't necessarily put them right there. It's definitely not with two. If they win a third one, then yeah, I guess you could you could probably put them up there with the Penguins and the Blackhawks. But um, after this one, if they win, I wouldn't necessarily say they're the exact same. No. How big of an upset, Jeremy, would this be if the Blues were to beat the Bruins? Because I know you said earlier that you don't see it that way, but a lot of people, especially in Boston are talking about how easy a road this has been. And a big narrative has been where these teams, you know, ranked record-wise and points-wise, In if you just lined it all up 1 through 16 for the NHL playoffs. And obviously the Blues, Blue Jackets, and Hurricanes obviously weren't very good during the regular season. And the, the people look at this road and say it was pretty easy for the Bruins and that their path to the championship, they haven't had to face any of the NHL's elite teams. And it seems like everyone thinks they're better in this series as well. And the, all the pressure 
is really on them. So how does that impact this series and what kind of an upset would it be for for Boston not to come out on top in this one? Well, I think it's being overplayed as it always is, but um, I'll say that Toronto is one of the league's elite teams and that's no doubt in my mind. They're easily one of the best teams in the NHL right now and people, if you want to underplay that just for the sake of the narrative, then you can. And I'm not talking about you specifically, but I'm talking about the media. And I just, I, I think the Columbus Blue Jackets... Yes, they're the Columbus Blue Jackets that snuck into the playoffs, but they're also the same Columbus Blue Jackets that swept the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. So to say that that wasn't a hard series is kind of ridiculous to me. That They were down 2-1 to one in that series, and it very could, very easily could have gone the other way. They won, ended up turning around and winning in six, but, I mean, that cannot be discounted. Carolina, I mean, they beat the Washington Capitals in the first round. The Bruins had faced them. That might, you know, that's one of those teams that gives the Bruins a hard time historically, so... Um, and, and the fact that Carolina beat them, and, and albeit in Game 7 fashion in overtime, uh, says something about them. And then, who knows? I mean, the Islanders didn't present much trouble for them in the second round, or that might have affected the way they came out in the third round. I'm not going to sit here and say the, Car- the Carolina Hurricanes are a complete team. They had literally no playoff experience from just about everyone in their lineup coming into this postseason, besides Justin Williams. And, um, you know, one guy towards the end of his career, despite how much he's done for that team, and he did win the Cup with them originally in 2006, uh, is not going to do it all for you. You know, like I've, it's the, what you talk about, you got to have a whole team if you're going to make it to the Stanley Cup final. I would never call it an upset. The Bruins, sure, are the favorite team. But St. Louis, like I said, is a much better team than they played for the first half of the season. Uh, it's amazing, quite frankly, what goaltending will do for a team and confidence-wise and, you know, keeping the puck out of the net-wise as well, obviously. But they're a good team, a really good team, and they've showed it. And they've beaten some good teams to get to the final. So... I mean, you can play those narratives off of each other. It's not going to be an upset if you think that a team coming in to play you has already had to deal with some really good teams, you know, leading into the Stanley Cup final. So if you want to say the Bruins have had an easier road, then you can't heavily favor favor them in the final either because they're playing a team on the other side that's already had to knock off some really good competition. So you want to look at it however you want to look at. This is going to be a good <coughs> series, excuse me. I see it going no less than probably six games, but I've, I've been wrong before, believe me, so who knows. Jeremy, what are the things to watch for in this series between the Bruins and the Blues? What what, what do you say fans should be focused in on as they watch the these teams go at it in game one and with the rest of the series going forward? I would say I want to see if St. Louis's big guns keep scoring. Uh, like I said, Jaden Schwartz, who only had 11 goals during the regular season, uh, has been on fire. You know, he's not a super fancy goal scorer, doesn't get you know, isn't sniping necessarily. I mean, he does score nice goals occasionally, but as often one of those players that's in the right place at the right time uh, in front of the net doing the, the yeoman's work, that hard work in front. Um, but he's been getting it done. You know, two hat-tricks, I believe, in this postseason is some sort of a record. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko is more of that pure scorer for them. Uh, to see if he keeps producing is going to be interesting. Uh, I want to see how the Bruins test the goaltending, you know, Jordan Bennington, and see what happens uh, if they're able to crack him early, or vice versa. If the Blues the Blues are going to make it their mission to try to get one by Tuukka Rask as early as they can, uh, because I know it's going to just become more and more of a demon for them if they can't do that early on. Uh, the more you struggle to beat a goaltender, the more it gets into a team's head. So uh, they're definitely going to want to make sure that doesn't become a problem right away. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, it's those sorts of things. The Bruins, we kind of know what we're going to get from them scoring, and it's been the whole postseason. You've gotten a really good balanced scoring for them, especially when players like David Pasternak haven't been performing to the level that you'd really hope uh, that they would perform in the postseason. And, and he's turned it around, don't get me wrong. He looks just like the old David Pasternak now, but there were periods of time when he was looking really, really bad out there, and it was to the point where you almost wondered if he was injured or not. Um, but, you know, Marchand and Bergeron have been right there, so um, if... if if they're scoring struggles, then that would be a narrative too. Um, but yeah, those those are a few things you want to keep an eye on if you're watching this series, which I hope everyone will be, hockey fan or not. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on and helping us preview these Stanley Cup finals that will be starting on Monday night. Guys, remember you can follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Perigo and make sure to check out the Puck That Podcast at Puck That Pod on Twitter, I believe, right? Did I get that? Uh, yeah, Puck That Pod. So you can check that out and make sure you follow up with uh, him and Spencer as they do their their podcast as well heading into the Stanley Cup Finals and remember you can follow me on Twitter at KJWLGBS you can follow the pod on Twitter at Wicked Smart Pod check out everything over at Guy Boston Sports a lot of stuff will be coming out as we get closer to the Stanley Cup Finals as well as a number of other events that are on the sporting calendar and thank you guys for listening we'll see you next week